So happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Anybody ready for some football? All right. How many Chiefs fans do we have? All right. They're quiet, but they have their hands up. That's confident. How about 49er fans? All right. So great. So just so you know, the 49er fans were not in the first service. There was one person, I think. So they're, they like to sleep in. So here they are. So um, I'm grateful to have all of you, whichever team you're rooting for, uh, my Steelers are not in the game. So I'm going to enjoy the Super Bowl stress-free. It's just going to be fun for me to watch and uh, excited about that later this afternoon. Hope you are as well. If you are new with us, whether you're joining us here in person or you're joining us online, grateful to have you with us as today we're starting a new series that's going to be kind of like a Super Bowl series in the life of our church. This is probably one of the biggest series that we're going to do beyond maybe the series that we started our church with over 10 years ago. And I'm grateful that you're a part of it because over the next five weeks, we're going to unpack together what we sense God is leading us to do over the next 10 years and beyond as a church. God has a big vision for us, and we're going to talk about that together over the next few weeks. So what I ask you to do is commit to coming back each week or commit to watching online if that's how you engage us. Because one of the things that happens in our series is they build on top of each other, they're interconnected, and they get better as the weeks unfold. So if at the end of today's message you say, that was an okay message, I encourage you to come back next week because it'll get better. And I didn't say my preaching will get better. I said the content of what we're talking about will get better. So keep coming back. Now, as we begin, I'm going to take you back to my fun middle school years. Anybody love your middle school years? If you're in a middle school right now, um, I'm sure you love it, and I hope you love it. But, you know, many of us, as we look back on middle school, it wasn't some of the best times in our lives. I'm going to tell you an experience that happened in my middle school PE class. So I know this is going to be hard to believe, especially as you look at me today, but I, in middle school, was not the tall, handsome, muscular guy that I am today. And you're laughing. You're laughing. That's hurtful. But obviously, I'm, I'm not any of those things now, and I was really none of those things back in middle school. So in middle school, I was the little scrawny kid that some of the bigger kids like to pick on. And one day in our PE class, one of our PE teachers left to go back into his office to get something, and that left an entire class out around the track unsupervised. Nothing bad can happen in that kind of environment except this. So we're all out there unsupervised, and this big kid in my class decided this is the perfect opportunity for me to get a laugh at Trent's expense in front of everybody. He starts pushing me around in front of everybody. Everybody's kind of snickering and having a good time with it. It was, it was fun for everybody but me. So I was enduring this experience and praying for my teacher to come back. Please come back and save me from this humiliation until... A bigger kid stepped between me and the big kid, grabbed his collar, raised his fist, and said, don't you ever mess with Trent again, and pushed him off. That was exciting. I felt that way in the moment. I didn't say that, but I was feeling it. 
So as that big kid kind of shrunk back into the PE class, a little bit embarrassed and humiliated, I stepped forward, stuck out my chest and said, yeah, don't you ever mess with me again. I did not say that, just being honest. I wish I had the courage to say that, but I did not in that moment. I think I was covering up, like I think I wet myself. I was a little bit embarrassed by all that. And I was just praising God that he cares about middle schoolers. And he sent somebody else to stand in and defend me in that moment. And as I thought back on that, I thought, I have no idea why that guy who became my friend all throughout high school stepped in to defend me. No idea why. All I knew was that he was for me. And that mattered to me in that moment. That was a big deal in my life. I want you to listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 31, one of my favorite verses out of the Bible. Listen to what it says. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Since God is for us, who can ever be against us? That is one amazing, powerful verse. How many of you are excited that that verse is in the Bible? I love that verse. And I need to remind myself of that verse on a regular basis. But there's one problem with that verse. Many people in our world today don't believe it. Many people in our world today don't believe that God is for them. They think if God exists, he's mad at them, he's against them, he's disappointed in them in some way. And I think part of the reason there's that wrong perception in our world today is because of some of us as Christ followers and how we live and how we interact with the world and the poor job that we do of representing to the world that God is for them. The reality today is there are many churches, there are many Christians that are known more for what they stand against than what they stand for. And so our world concludes, you know what? If the church is against me, if Christians are against me, God must not be for me either. And that can't be farther from the truth. The reason that Jesus left the splendor of heaven and came to earth to die was to prove to all of us that God is for us. And we have an obligation to help other people understand that. So listen to Romans 8, 32, as it continues. It says, since... He did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen as his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37 says, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing, that means nothing, can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That passage says God is for us. And our world desperately needs to know that. 
And those of us who claim to be Christ followers, we have an obligation to let our world know that God is for them. Because God is for them, we should be for them as well. So in this series, we're going to unpack what that looks like for us as a church, what that can look like for us individually. And as we start today, we're going to zoom in on an amazing real story that happened in Luke chapter 7. It's an old story. I don't know that I've ever taught this one here at Epic, but it's got some powerful content. It demonstrates that God is for us, and it also demonstrates what our response to God should look like because of the reality that he is for us. So Luke chapter 7, we'll have some of the verses come up on the screen here in just a minute. Um, But let me give you the context of what's happening in this story. This story centers on a dinner party held by a guy by the name of Simon, who was a religious leader known as a Pharisee. And Simon decided, you know what, I'm going to have a Super Bowl party. I'm going to invite all my religious friends over, and then I'm going to invite Jesus over. Now, we don't know why Simon invited Jesus because it's the craziest thing ever. The religious leaders didn't like Jesus. You would think they would love having Jesus around being God in the flesh, but they didn't like him. They were threatened by him. He was threatening their own little kingdoms that they were trying to control and manipulate. They actually wanted to kill him. So we're not sure why Simon invited Jesus, but most likely he didn't have the best motives when he invited Jesus to his Super Bowl party. And then the craziest thing happened that Simon wasn't anticipating. Somebody showed up at his party that wasn't invited. And this wasn't like he was throwing a party for his chief fans and then all of a sudden a 49er fan came in. It wasn't like that. This was a scandalous thing that happened in their community. It was so big, everybody was talking about it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, it hit that social media headline. And verse 37 tells us who came. Verse 37 says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard Jesus was eating there, She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And we're going to find out in a minute what she does with that perfume. But she crashed Simon's party. Uh, What immoral woman means is basically she was the town prostitute. Now, let's not rush to judge her of the lifestyle that she had, the career that she had, the job that she had. We have no idea of knowing uh, what led her into that spot. But we do know no Pharisee would ever invite her, would ever want her to be at his party. And yet this immoral woman comes anyway. And look what she does when she comes in. Verse 38 tells us, she knelt behind Jesus at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, let me give you another glimpse of what's happening in this moment, because often we'll think uh, Jesus was sitting around a table and she climbed under the table to find his feet under a chair somewhere. That's not what happened. So in that day, people would often eat reclining around a table. So if you can imagine a coffee table, maybe you have at your house kind of a low table and people would lean on one uh, elbow and then their feet would be extended off to a side and they would eat from the table like this. So his feet would have been easily accessible to her as she walked into that room. But as she walked into that room and got down, uh, she would be at eye level with everybody else. Everybody would be seeing exactly what she was doing. Nobody would be looking under a table to find her. She would be clearly visible, and they could see her crying on his feet. They could see her using her hair to wipe his feet off. 
They could see her kissing his feet. They could see her pouring that perfume on his feet. She was fully visible for everybody. And, you know, I wonder why would this woman do that? Why would she risk stepping into an environment where she would be judged, where she could easily be kicked out of? Why would she risk coming in and, and buying this expensive perfume to pour on Jesus' feet? Why would she go through all that? Because that perfume would have cost her a small fortune to buy. Let me suggest that she did that because she understood that God is for her. And we don't fully understand what happened to give her that motivation, the urgency that she had to come see Jesus in that moment. We don't really know. We don't know if uh, she had an amazing encounter with him in town that day. We don't know if she saw him heal somebody, maybe a, a friend of hers or a family member. We don't know if uh, she just loved how he treated people. We're not exactly sure. But as we read other parts of scripture, we get other clues. We get other puzzle pieces that help us put this together. So if we look over in Matthew chapter 11, it records a time that Jesus was talking to a crowd of people in that town that day. And when Jesus came to town and he was going to talk, he was going to teach, he was probably going to heal some people, uh, there weren't a bunch of people saying, you know what? I hear Jesus is in town, like, I, I got to run to Starbucks, you know, I got to get my coffee, I'm not sure I'll make it, you know, I might be a little bit late. Nobody had any other appointment other than going and seeing Jesus. He was the biggest thing going on. When he stepped into your community, everybody dropped everything they did to come and hear and see Jesus. And that morning, he was speaking to a crowd. Listen to the words that he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and listen to the language that he uses as he speaks this. He says this. It says, and Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus communicated that day. He said, listen, I understand if you are crushed by the weight of the world, the pain of life, I'm speaking to you. And I want to help you. I'm for you. So come to me. Do you think that message resonate, resonated with this woman? Do you think that she was weary from maybe the only job that she could find for survival? Do you think she was tired from all the judgment that she had received from everybody in her community and how they must have treated her? Like, I think, and I have no biblical proof for this, but I think it's these words of Jesus that day in her community that she was probably in that crowd listening to is what prompted her to run into that moment and interrupt this dinner party, this really high influential dinner party for influential leaders. And she came in and said, I, I can't help it. I'm finding out that God is for me and I've got to do something. I've got to have this big response because God is for me and I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. God is for me and that is enough. Now imagine what's going on in the mind of the people at the party as this is happening. Imagine what they're thinking. 
And Luke chapter 7 gives us a glimpse of what some of them are thinking. Verse 39 says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Isn't that like the coolest thing ever? Don't you wish you could do that? You know, you're at a dinner party and somebody's like, I wonder what they're thinking about me. Oh, I know what they're thinking about me. Let me me answer your thought. So Jesus does that in this moment. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled a larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman, so he's looking at the woman, and he speaks to Simon. So he says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but, as she, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Can you imagine how this woman felt as she walked away from that dinner party she wasn't invited to? I mean, Jesus could have easily said, whoa, time out, time out, what are you doing? Like, let's do that some other place, some other time. This is not the place for that. Jesus did not do that. He highlighted what she was doing. He defended her in front of all those people who would have judged her. And can you imagine the story she ran out to tell? Can you imagine all of her friends she went to find and said, you're not gonna believe us. Like, I did it, I did it, I crashed the party. You did, you didn't get kicked out, no. I didn't get kicked out. Jesus defended me. And we don't see this in scripture, but wouldn't this just be the coolest thing if Jesus would have reached across the table, grabbed Simon's collar and said, don't you mess with her ever again and pushed her off? Like, like that would have been really cool. Jesus is way more refined than my middle school friend. But Jesus made it clear that he was for her. And I think that's why her response was so big for him and I think for others as well. I think because Jesus has made it clear that God is for us, our response should be just as big. And I think our response should be big to other people in our community and our world who don't know that God is for them or who don't believe that God is for them. So, we believe as a church, the leadership of our church have been praying and been talking for, for a number of, of months and years about what we feel like God wants us to do for our community. And we believe God is leading us to do three specific things as a church and as individuals in this church to be for the people in our county, to be for Flagler. So we believe God is leading us to do these things. Number one, to be for our community. Number two, to be for our families. Number three, to be for the future.
And I'm going to unpack each of these one at a time. We're going to start with for our community. This may or may not surprise you, but Flagler County over the past few years has had the highest suicide rate of all counties in the state of Florida. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but it surprised me when I came across that. And I know some other communities uh, that struggle economically a whole lot more than we do, and I would have thought it would have been one of those communities. But 2017, 2018, we were number one. 2019, we dropped from number one to number nine, but what I understand is that drop involved two people. It was just two people that, that didn't commit suicide that dropped us that far down. So some of the mental health experts that we're talking to in our community have suggested that that drop is not all that significant, and there's a really good chance we'll be back up to number one this year. That's a number one spot we don't want to be in. There are a lot of people in our community that are lonely, that are battling depression, that feel isolated, that don't know where to turn, have relationship struggles, have addiction issues. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And so we feel like God is leading us to start a counseling center where we can help address some of those needs where we can come alongside people and and help them in those moments when they are struggling. And our community lacks adequate resources for that. We lack adequate adequate resources to address some of the mental health issues in our community. And we've got some great counselors in our community. We actually do some referrals to some of those. But again, I feel like we lack the adequate resources and people to bring top quality psychological help alongside biblical help as well. And so we feel like God is saying, hey, it's time for you to take a step and establish a counseling center that can service the many people in our community that are hurting. An additional part of that for us being for our community involves us starting a care network to help service the many people in our community that have hit a physical wall or maybe an emotional wall. And they're stuck. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn to for help. They're not sure. Uh, Maybe they're just out of resources. They don't know the resources that we have in our community. And to describe this this group, let me me tell you about a story that happened recently uh, that I was able to be involved in. So I got a text. Several of us at church here together got a text from a friend who said, listen, I'm out of town right now, but I am connected with a widow who is in her 70s. Her husband died three years ago. She's being evicted from her home. She has no one. Could you and a few others go over there and maybe help her? And so about six of us went over to her house. When we stepped into her home, I think it broke all of our hearts. Here we've got a widow, again, uh, without her husband, found out she's got this broken relationship with her kids. Her kids don't want anything to do with her. They live up north, and they're aware of what's going on, but don't want to help her. She has no one to turn to, and we were standing there in her home a couple hours before some of our great sheriff deputies were going to come and do their job, and they were actually folks that we know here at Epic, and and they they handled that so beautifully. I'm so proud of them and how they did their job, and yet here this woman is trying to figure out, like, I've got a house full of stuff. What do I take? I can't take everything. What do I take? She wasn't even sure where she was going to go. So we helped her sort through her stuff. We loaded a lot of it up in our cars. We had, I think, six cars there and trucks. And so we put as much of that as we could. We took it to a storage unit. We helped her get that settled there and helped her process some next steps for her. She actually came up with a plan of what she could do next. And we've been able to follow up with her several times since then. Say, listen, we're here to help. 
We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to love you. We want to help you take your next step. And as we first came in and I was, I was getting to know her a little bit and talking about maybe her faith background, she said, listen, I'm an agnostic. I don't know if I believe in all that stuff. But by the end of our time together, we prayed twice. And she said, thank you. Thank you for being here for me in my time of need. I don't know what I would have done. I believe we have hundreds, if not thousands of people like that in our community. And maybe you know some people like that. They need help. They need a place to call. They need someone to turn to in those moments when they hit walls like that. And I can see the day when the message gets out in our community, when somebody's in a spot like that, somebody says, listen, I got this card. Why don't you call this, this church? Why don't you call 246-EPIC and they will help you? And I don't know if that's our phone number, so don't call that number right now because <laughs> like, nobody will answer it on the other end, so don't pass that out. But I would love to see the day where it's spread in our community. Hey, there's a place that believe so much that God is for us that they're for you as well, and they'll help you. And let me be clear, we have no interest in enabling anyone. We only want to empower people to help take their next steps and whatever that next step may be. So we'll help them find the resources in our community and empower them to take some of those steps. But a lot of people, what they need is somebody to just walk that journey with them and help them figure out what to do to get their life back on track. So that's what it means for us to be for our community. Now we're going to look at what it means for us to be for our families. We have, uh, as a church that's growing, uh, we're a little over 700 people in in attendance in our three services. And we have, this is amazing to me, we have anywhere from 150 to 200 children and students coming on any given Sunday. Let that sink in for a minute. That's a big deal. That's larger than a lot of churches in the United States. And when I look at that, I'm amazed at that because when I think about when I was a kid, you know, back in middle school or before that, like I wasn't going, hey, it's Sunday, let's go, I can't wait. Like Sunday was not my favorite day. I did not enjoy my Sunday experiences. And yet my kids love to come to church. And many of the kids that we have that are coming and the students that we have that are coming, they're coming because they love the investment that they're receiving from loving adults. They love what they're learning about God and how they can apply that to their lives in a complex world right now. And they're loving that. And they're inviting their parents to come and they're inviting their families and inviting their friends to come be a part of this. Now, in addition to that, we have thousands of children and students in our community that don't get to experience what our kids get to experience here. And they need to be connected with so they can be connected with God. And you think about like what's happening in our world right now with, with students and, and elementary school age kids. I mean, they're living in a time where there's great instability in many of their lives. They may be more connected uh, through technology than any other generation, and yet they, it seems like they are more disconnected relationally than any other generation. And they desperately need loving adults to help guide them through the complexities of their lives. I want you to think back to when you were in middle school. Could you have used some more loving support from people who could show you on a regular basis that God is for you and so are they? Anybody willing to say, you know what, I could have used that. We've got a lot of children and students in that spot. So what we feel like God is leading us to do is to hire a full-time student director and more children's ministry staff so we can continue to service the children and students in our community as well as the ones at our church. Now, you might ask, I thought we had a student director, and we do. 
We have an amazing student director. Cody and Robin Anderson have done an amazing job over the past nine years of leading our student ministry and have gotten it to where it is and have done a great job. So would you mind helping me thank them for just a moment? I mean, it has been such an honor to work with them. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of our children's ministry staff as well and what they do. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And yet we've had conversations with Cody uh, about uh, this desire for us for full time and what happened with what has happened with Cody as he came on as a volunteer for a number of years and then he transitioned to an intern for us while he was completing an education degree. He finished his education degree and he started using that degree as a teacher in our community. He's teaching right now over at Wadsworth Elementary School. Not right now. He's back in our gym right now uh, guiding students. But throughout the week, he's over at at Wadsworth Elementary School doing a phenomenal job over there. And he has felt like God is saying, I want you to invest in our children and students through your education. So he's gotten to the spot where it's like, man, both of these things are growing and the needs of them are bigger and bigger. And I can't do both at the same time. He said, like, it's time for us to hire a full-time person. And I don't think it's me. And so we've been on that journey and, and uh, beginning the process of trying to identify who that person might be, as well as some other children's ministry staff. And we truly believe that hiring more strategic staff will help us to communicate to the children and students and families in our community that God is for them, and so are we. So that's the second part of us being for our community. The third part is us being for the future. So we believe it's time for us to purchase land and make plans to build a building on that land where we can make a significant impact in our community for Christ. And uh, we understand we can't stay in these rented facilities forever. We are so grateful for our partnership with the school system and how they've worked with us over the past. uh, We've been in this school over seven years. We're grateful for that, but we know that we need a permanent home. And so most of you know that we are in contract right now to purchase a piece of land. Uh, I'll show you a picture of it here down off of the State Road one, State Road 100, sorry, uh, corridor there off of Seminole Woods uh, Parkway. And uh, you notice that it's close to the hospital, it's close to the airport, close to the high school, close to I-95. And we truly believe this is a piece of land at a crossroads in our community. Easily accessible from Flagler Beach, from Bunnell, from North Palm Coast, South Palm Coast, even outside of our community can get there relatively easily. And on this piece of land, we plan to build our church home, which will be a permanent place for us to broadcast to our community that God is for them. And so are we. So it'll be a place where we can leverage our counseling center and our care network all week long. We have no desire for a building to to sit there empty all week and be used on Sunday morning only. Don't feel like that's a great resource or great use of God's resources. So we would love to find strategic ways for us to use this building on a consistent basis. And uh, here's just an image of what it could look like. For us to have a land on there, we plan on building an attractive building that will have space designed specifically for children and students and where we can continue to have services like this and let our community know again that God is for them and so are we. Anybody excited about that happening one day? So here's what we believe we're going to need in order to do this. So first thing is this. 
or this. We believe that we need 100% participation from people who call Epic their home. So if this is your home, if this is the place that you come for spiritual nourishment, whether that's once a month or four times a month, if this is the place you go, like when I'm going to church, I'm going to Epic, then I hope that you will join us in this. We need everybody together uh, participating at a high level, giving of our time, talents, and our treasures to pull this off. If you're new with us, you're just checking us out. Like, I'm not sure, you know, I can tolerate a bald guy on a regular basis. Like, I get it. I, I understand. I really do. Um, but if you sense at some point, you know what? Like, this is the place for me. I love that message. The God is for us, and I want to help spread that throughout the community. Then we invite you to participate with us. Now, we've spent some time doing some number crunching to figure out what all this is going to cost us over the next two years. So here's a snapshot of what we feel like this is going to cost over the next two years. So everybody, put your seatbelt on, okay? You ready to hold your breath? Over the next two years, we feel like this is going to cost us $2.5 million. Okay, together, let's all go, wow. Anybody think that's a whole lot of money? That's a lot of money. Yes, it is. And we hired a consultant to kind of help us through the process. And when we were doing some of the number crunch and we saw that number at the end of, the, the, of our number and the tabulation, uh, several of us on staff went, are you kidding me? How are we going to get there? That, that feels impossible. Let me remind all of us, God is way bigger than that number. Amen. He's got all the resources in the universe. That's nothing to him. It's like pennies to him. So let me break this number down because it's not as big and scary as we might think that it is. 1.5 of the 2.5 that we're talking about here will help expand our operational budget and enable us to start our counseling center, expand our care network, and hire more staff. And if our giving patterns hold as they have over the past 10 years. So over the past 10 years, we have seen a slow, steady growth trend up and to the right in our attendance and giving. And as I did in the first service, I think that's up to my right, your left. So I'll go this way. So up to the right for you guys. So over the past 10 years, we've seen a slow, steady growth trend. And if we continue to engage and give in the same level that we have over the past 10 years, in the next two years, we'll bring in $1.5 million. Amen. Is that amazing or what? <laughs> now, the reason that happens is because of generous people like you. Generous people like you say, listen, like I'm willing to trust God with my resources. And when you give, we're able to do significant things in our community for Christ. Now, in addition to that, we're trying to raise $1 million that will help us buy the land and finish phase one of the land. So phase one involves like master development planning. It involves maybe some turn lanes, maybe a median cut there in Seminole Woods Parkway. And there's a number of things that we have to do before we can take down trees and rip up roots and, and start doing anything on the property. So it's gonna take a little bit of money for us to do that as well. So we're actually closer to that 2.5 than we realize. And if at our giving trends continue, bringing in that 1.5 over the next two years will actually put us about 60% towards our goal. That is cool. So there's the numbers. 
So the reason we're combining those two things, expanding ministry expenses and going after the land at the same time is this. We feel like the needs of our community continue to expand rapidly. And we feel like we've got all kinds of people at our door knocking. They're knocking for counseling help. One of the things that we make recommendations on a regular basis for it, one of the things we get requests weekly for is counseling help and care network help. And so we feel like we can't tell those folks like, hey, Wait like five years, four years, whatever, till we get a building, then we'll be able to help you. We feel like God's saying, help those people today. We feel like God's saying, help our our children and students today. Don't wait and help them two years down the road. Help them today. And again, going after these goals will help us communicate to our community in a loud way that God is for them, and so are we. That's why we feel like it's time for us to do both of these things at the same time. So over the next few weeks, We're going to talk about this together. And here's what I'm asking you to do. These four things. So the first thing is commit to coming back. Yeah, I said that at the beginning. Commit to coming back. Because again, it's going to get better. More information that we unpack together, this is going to get better. It's going to get more exciting. You're going to see more ways that we can be involved in this together. And then I ask you to start praying about the part that God might want you to play. Again, we feel like we need everybody to be a part of this. No one person can do this alone. It's going to take all of us as a church family coming together to pull us off. And then I encourage you to say yes to being for Flagler. Say yes to being for our community. Um, say yes, like, like the woman who ran into Jesus because of her response was so big to, to what God had done for her and that he was for her. She couldn't contain it. So let's together say yes and let our community know that God is for them. And then the fourth thing is, I encourage you to buy one of our new t-shirts and wear them in our community. I'm sure you know somebody in our community who does not believe this shirt. And if you're gonna wear one of these, be prepared for conversations. You just might come across someone who says, like, do you really believe that? I'm not sure I do. And I've equipped you this morning with Romans 8.31. That'd be a great verse to memorize. And tell somebody, hey, since... God is for us. Who can ever stand against us? Scripture is clear about that. Let me tell you the ways that God is for us. So the front says, God is for you. The back says, and so are we. Epic Church. Anybody know anybody in our community that needs to hear that message? A goofy little t-shirt can help. A message like this can help our community, whether they engage you or not. So I encourage it. Get a t-shirt, wear it proudly, and as you wear it, make sure you represent Christ well that day. If you're not feeling good, don't pick that one out that day, okay? Pick a different shirt out. All right, on your way out, someone's going to hand you one of our four Flagler folders. I encourage you to grab one of these. So you can grab one per family. Um, uh, That would suffice. And inside, it's got all the information that we've been talking about today, as well as in this series. A lot of great stuff. And for us, it's kind of a layering effect. So it'll help when you're hearing something on Sunday, and then you start reading it and seeing it again throughout the week. So I encourage you to do that. So let me highlight a few things that are in here. We have a prayer card that you can use for praying all throughout this series and all throughout, uh, really, uh, beyond that, up until we purchase this land on May 29th. And there's some key dates on the back of that card as well. We've got a 
Four Flagler booklet in here. Uh, that's a great booklet, and it's got a lot of great content. It talks about the history of our church, how we began. So if you're new and you're curious about that stuff, that information's in here. What God has done in the life of our church over the past 10 years, what we feel like God wants us to do over the next 10 years. And if you have questions, there's a big section with answers. And I'm sure you have questions. I mean, I had questions at the beginning. I still have questions. And so as you have questions, feel free to look in this for some of those answers. Feel free to come up, ask me, ask Tim, ask Brian, our staff guys. We would love to help answer those questions for you. We have in here also a pathway to generosity that I'll go over uh, maybe next week or the next week, and it'll help us understand like where we're at on the giving journey and what it could look like for us to grow in the level of generosity that God possibly desires in our lives. We also have in here a spiritual growth challenge. This is something that we use uh, every Sunday, and we make it available every Sunday. We, uh, we encourage everybody to take one of these. If you want to dig deeper into what we're talking about on Sunday, there's a Bible reading plan. There's some prayer uh, items for us. There's small group discussion questions for you to process by yourself or with somebody else. It's a great tool. Every Sunday, you can grab one, and then you can keep it in this folder as well. Then the last thing that you'll see in this folder is an intention card. I'll explain this clearly throughout this series, but here's what I want you to know today. A number of you have already identified you know somebody in our community that doesn't understand that God is for them. And what I encourage you to do is write their name on this card. Uh, I've got one person that I'm specifically praying for for this series. Somebody who really has no concept that God is for them um, and has been very anti-God for a while because of the message that Christ followers have sent. And so... Um, I encourage you to write the name of a person that you know in our community, in your world, in your life that needs to know that and start praying for them and start praying for the impact that you can have on their lives to help them know that God is for them. So in just a minute, I'm gonna pray and then our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna close us in a new song for us. It's a high energy, uh, great song about God being for us. And so as we're learning it together in just a minute, uh, when I'm done praying, I'm gonna ask you to stand and then we'll sing this together and be reminded that God is for us. But, but before we do that, I wanna just spend a moment praying and have a moment for maybe some reflective responses. So would you just pray with me today? As we're praying this morning with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just curious to know, is there anybody here today by a raise of hands that would say, you needed to be reminded today that God is for you? Anybody willing to say that? I see a number of hands. I see a number of hands everywhere. Let me just, again, re-echo what you've heard today. Whatever you're going through, God is for you. God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed in you. God is not against you. God is for you, and he wants you to understand that, and he wants you to live your life in a big response to that. And again, let me ask this question. How many of you would say you know somebody personally that doesn't believe that God is for them? Would you raise your hand again if you're in that spot? Hands all over. So, Lord, we know a lot of folks in our community that don't believe that God is for them. And maybe there's some folks this morning here wrestling with that, that truth. Uh, maybe they feel ashamed from something. Maybe they feel guilty of something in their lives. Maybe they've had interactions with other Christ followers or churches that have made them feel like they're not welcome or feel like you're not for them. 
And so, God, you've asked us to live our lives in response to the truth that you are for us, like, like that woman did who crashed Simon's party and messed up his dinner plans. So, Lord, may we live the way that she has lived. Like, may we charge into the community, broadcasting that message loud and clear. God is for you, and so are we. May we first apply that truth to our lives, and then may we broadcast it to others. So God, thanks for this powerful story this morning. Jesus, thanks for defending this woman in this moment. And Jesus, thanks for teaching us how to live in response to that powerful truth. So we're going to sing this morning about you being for us. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. So would you all stand with me and let's sing together.